Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, podcast listeners. We're preparing this week's show for you with a close look at the themes and memes emerging from the coverage of mounting hostility between the U.S. and Iran. It's already been a news-heavy first week of the year. Blazes across Australia, earthquakes in Puerto Rico, and in New York, jury selection in the trial of former Hollywood titan Harvey Weinstein, whose alleged sexual predations launched the Me Too movement in 2017. And the allegations keep coming. Just hours after the start of his criminal trial in New York, Harvey Weinstein is hit with new sexual assault charges in Los Angeles. Weinstein is charged with raping one woman and sexually assaulting another in separate incidents over a two-day period in 2013. To date, over 80 women in the film industry have accused him of rape and sexual assault and abuse. Weinstein claims they were all consensual acts. It was October 2017 when New York Times reporters Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey and Ronan Farrow writing in The New Yorker published their investigations into Weinstein. The reporting has been groundbreaking in its detail, laying out the allegations for the public. But in Hollywood, Weinstein's abuses already were an open secret. A week after the revelations in 2017, I spoke with BuzzFeed senior culture writer Anne Helen Peterson about how women in Tinseltown often protect themselves, and so found out about Weinstein. It was thanks in part to an oft-maligned news source, Gossip Blogs. Yeah, that's how women outside of Hollywood especially learned this information. I've heard people tell me that they first heard the rumors when they were frequenting Usenet discussion boards in the late 90s before the internet had taken the form that we now recognize it. And that was at the apex of Weinstein's power? Yes, absolutely. And then some of them were really percolating around the height of gossip blogs, which was, I would date it to 2005 to 2008. Things called The Defamer and Oh No, They Didn't, and Celebitchy, and Pop Bitch, and Fame Tracker, and Laney Gossip, and an infamous one titled Casting Couch. The rise of digital photography and blogging technologies made these blogs very popular, you know, especially as an alternative voice to the mainstream gossip publications like People Magazine and Us Magazine. Now, gossip is derided as a lesser media form. It's prying, it's prurient. And it's inconsequential. But you wrote that much of what it imparts is the means of survival, especially for women. And you wrote in BuzzFeed, it's no wonder so many men deride and degrade gossip. It's our most effective armor against their abuses. The way that gossip between people worked in Hollywood and then the way that celebrity gossip and consuming this information reinforces this idea that there are men out there who women should be wary of and that we rely on each other to inform ourselves. And so the weapons or the shields that women can use to protect themselves are buried within the little items in the gossip columns. Absolutely. And I want to be careful here because I think There's a tendency to look at this argument and say, well, are you saying that all gossip is feminist or progressive? And absolutely not. You know, Harvey Weinstein himself utilized gossip columns to plant counter items that would discredit people 
accusing him or trying to, you know, suggest that this was the sort of behavior that he engaged in. We know that he used page six to control starlets who dared to report on him. One of them is Ambra Batiana Gutierrez. She's the model who had the audio tapes. I'm telling you right now. What do we have to do here? Nothing. I'm going to take a shower. You sit there and have a drink. Water. I don't drink. Uh, and I stay on the bar? No, you must come here now. He placed defamatory stories about her on page six to discredit her. And there's also a quid pro quo, right? Tina Brown wrote mm-hmm. about that at Talk Magazine. I'll give you this gossip if you'll squash that story, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's an old, old Hollywood scandal technique of, you know, you have this bit of information on me that could be inflammatory. I'll trade you some other piece of gossip that I have. Harvey Weinstein has prided himself on being an old-school Hollywood producer exec type. And even in his apology after the initial story in the New York Times, he said, like, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. This is the way of doing things, which, yeah, sure, that doesn't mean it's okay. So if he's old school, the school that he's part of changed substantially since the Internet. But tell me how easy it used to be to control the gossip. During Classic Hollywood, you had these long-term contracts, and the stars agreed to have every part of their image legislated, controlled by the studios. So if there was something that you did in public that was not okay by normal standards, then the studio would have one of their fixers go and clean it up, or maybe they would leak a little bit of that information as a way of being like, look, this is what will happen if you continue this behavior. You don't want to do that. You've written about one famous example, right? Henry Wilson. So Henry Wilson was a producer in the 1950s who really recruited a certain type of male star who was robust and strapping and handsome and oftentimes gay. He would make a very heterosexual image for that star, give them a new name. So Rock Hudson is the most famous example. There was a scandal publication at the time in the 1950s called Confidential Magazine. Isn't that the publication that Danny DeVito worked for in L.A. Confidential? Circulation 36,000 and climbing. There's no telling where this is going to go. Radio, television. Once you whet the public's appetite for the truth, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it's based on that. They had the information that Rock Hudson was gay. And Henry Wilson, Rock Hudson's agent and manager, traded gossip that another one of the stars in this stable of stars was a juvenile delinquent. So this juvenile delinquent shows up on the cover of the magazine, whereas Rock Hudson's secret stays safe. But it's a lot harder to exert that kind of influence today because the Internet has decentralize the whole gossip racket. The history of Hollywood gossip is a history of who has control. And that happened with Confidential Magazine in the 1950s. And it's no accident that that corresponded with the decline of the studio and star system Mm. that had previously essentially dictated to the fan magazines, print this story and this story, and this is what this person's image is going to be. That declined when the Scandal magazine came in and said, no, we're going to tell you the truth about these stars, this darker, more salacious, seedier side. And then that was recovered over the course of the 60s, 70s, 80s. 
if you look at fan magazines in the 1980s, they are very much towing the publicist line. That's how Tom Cruise managed to have such an immaculate image for so Mm -hmm. long. It was People, Us Weekly, Entertainment Tonight. It was fairly tidy, right? And then in the mid-2000s, you had individual blogs, people like Paris Hilton. Yeah, who came in and said, like, well, I'm going to be friends with the stars. I have a digital camera. I can take pictures when I go and hang out with them. The proliferation of paparazzos and the start of TMZ and streaming paparazzi video, all of that contributed to that. And that, again, wrested control of the narrative away from the publicists and the stars. You know, you could argue that celebrity gossip, its obsessions and the revelations— holds up a mirror to the culture's id, so to speak. Oh, yes, totally. (laughs) The real through line is women's sexuality and anxiety over it. In the 1920s and 1930s, a lot of the gossip was about who's doing drugs, are women having too much sex? In the 1950s, it was, are women having too much sex and are people having sex with people who are a different race? Today, though, it's, which guys are abusing their power, like, that that's a real difference. Yeah. I know, that's heartening. I think that we still have anxiety over, you know, women's sexuality. But if now the new truth that people are seeking is which men are abusive, that is a real change from the past. But despite the alarm bells of the whispering networks and the gossip, ultimately it took investigative journalism to take him down. Yeah, people on Twitter were saying, well, if you guys knew this, why didn't you do it? If anyone's been observing journalism for the last two years and knows what happened to Gawker, which was a place where many of these items circulated, you need to have a legal department that is willing to take the risk to stand up to these sorts of threats of litigation. Harvey Weinstein, you know, immediately threatened to sue the New York Times And I don't think that anything's going to become of that. But you do need to have people at the top of your publication who are willing to move forward with something that will be risky. And do you think we're in a climate where that's more likely to happen than in the past? NBC dumped Ronan Farrow's reporting. And the reasons for that, as they've articulated, are that the reporting wasn't there. And Farrow has said the reporting was there. We're going to have some publications that are very wary of this sort of story and then others that are defining their reputation on their willingness to take these risks. And thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And Helen Peterson is a senior culture writer for BuzzFeed News. Coming up on this week's show, we offer, among other things, tips and tricks for how to inoculate yourself against war propaganda. It's everywhere these days. <laughs> 